2: Navy Federal Credit Union, our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured, not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
3: Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.
0: Welcome to Creature Feature, a production of iHeartRadio. Creature, feature, it's Creature Kringle Times. A
3: holiday
0: special about our furry friends. Today, we'll learn. How hibernation works, and what's up with these chubby bears. Snail hibernators, lemurs with fat tails, join us as we learn and laugh and learn. Sleepy little penguins, perfect power naps. It's a sleepy, cozy winter time. Welcome to Creature Feature, production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host of Many Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and on today's special Kringle Time show, we're getting cozy and snuggly and talking about the world's best, most creative, and most interesting sleepers. From hibernations to teeny naps, these wintry animals know how to catch a few holiday Z's. Happy Creature
2: Kringle! Happy Creature Kringle! Happy Creature Kringle!
0: Slimes. Joining me today is comedian and host of the podcast Jeff Has Cool Friends and other great podcasts. Jeff May, welcome.
2: Hey, hey, hey. I just woke up. This is great. This yeah. is perfect. I just I just dehibernated.
0: Thematic.
2: I yeah.
0: What's your favorite way to get cozy during the winter? I mean, I think uh, are you're still in LA, right? I am. It doesn't yeah. get too cold there but it's still nice to get cozy.
2: So it actually gets really cold inside. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. LA but um there's no insulation. No. In any of the houses. Not built so for that. like So for example like in my house right now it's it's like the high 50s. Oof. Um so yeah, not not what you would think would be great. Um I actually prefer uh a fireplace. Yeah. I prefer- Airplace, I had a fire last night. It was delightful. Um, and that really is something for me. It's getting pricey, getting a little pricey. Uh, the the wood has gone uh, gone up. But I do like that. I, I like being inside where it is not bad while the weather is bad.
0: Uh, it's the best feeling. It's the best. I'm finally living somewhere where it does occasionally snow, which I love. And I also just like being inside, watching either rain or snow, but you're cozy and you're warm and you're under a blanket. Maybe you even have a hot drink. It's just such a good feeling. It's like this intense smugness about your position versus like the weather outside. It's like a very cozy smugness. And I love it.
2: Yeah. It turns out that the weather outside is actually frightful.
0: Right. Right. But the fire but meanwhile, inside, meanwhile, yeah, that's delightful, right? That can be delightful.
2: Yeah, no, so, I very much yeah. am that as a New Englander, like snow is two is two things for me. One, it is a uh, dangerous labor mm-hmm. uh, because you have to like shovel your driveway or, you know, you have to drive extra special. Careful, uh, carefully. I don't know why I didn't add an adverb into that sentence. <laughs> But then on top of that too, like being inside when it snows is just the best.
0: Right. Yeah. No. Because you like
2: you forget. You're you're just sitting there. Although when I was a homeowner, uh, I would look outside and see the snow. I'd be like, Yeah, should I go pre shovel right now so it's not super bad tomorrow? Like that's the energy that I was bringing to home real dad energy.
0: Yeah, I've never had a home while I lived so like a a a suburban home where I'd actually have to shovel snow. Or deal with it so i i've always just had a good time in the s- snow because i haven't had a car or a home while being in an area yeah. with snow so that's the,
2: the labor of snow yeah disappears yeah
0: right exactly um but yeah very very on theme because today we are talking about animals who do their best to avoid the discomforts of winter and bad weather and we'll just sleep it off, but in very specific physiological ways. So first, we're going to talk about bears and this idea of bear hibernation. Now, there's going to be a twist here, uh, so get ready for that. Um, but first, let's talk about Fat Bear Week. So have you heard of Fat Bear Week?
2: I love Fat Bear Week. Oh, it's um, so good. And, and of course, Standard Bear Week, as a Massachusetts uh, former Massachusetts resident. Bear Week itself, of course, very popular in Provincetown in the summertime. <laughs> Fat Bear Week, that is a winter holiday.
0: The Fat Bear Week is a celebration by the Katmai National Park and a Preserve in Alaska of the bears in the park putting on their winter weight. Uh, this year it happened in October and ended on what the Park Service calls Fat Bear Tuesday. So the way it works is that the public is allowed to watch the bears on these park cams, and then vote online at FatBearWeek.org. Obviously, Fat Bear Week has already happened, so a winner has been crowned. Uh, It was a female bear named Grazer, who is a light brown bear with blonde, fluffy ears, who is described by the Fat Bear Week website as a very tough lady. She's raised two sets of cubs and is so protective of her cubs She'll go on the offense against male bears who get too close, even bears that are bigger than herself. She is famous for being the most defensive, bold mother bear in the current bear lineup in Katmai National Park.
2: I love this. I love yeah. all this information, but I do feel like we did sort of gloss over the fact that they do Fat Bear Tuesday, Yeah, which is what, Mardi Gras dours or something like that. Like it's yes. Mardi Gras. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah. That. But for bears, I, I, I love I love all of that energy in there, and I love that she just party, just got some bead around beads around her neck, and she is just chasing dudes off. <laughs> I love that about
3: her.
0: Yes, and she and these bears every year bears put on enormous amount of weight in the summer and fall uh, to survive the winter, and so the point of Fat Bear Week is to celebrate these bears and all their girth, and you know pick out one of the bears who has. Um, one, I mean, it's like, I don't think it's necessarily just a weigh in, right? They're not because they're not weighing these bears. It's not all just about the size. It's about the public's favorite. So the, the favorite one, usually it's one that has indeed put on a bunch of weight, but there's, you know, other aspects to their personality that can win them votes. Um Now,
2: the photo that you shared, first off, must hug bear. Yeah. Bear its friend. And then the information it's, that it's, you shared, bear is not friend.
0: Bear is not um, friend. Yeah, it's but also,
2: the, but also bear is friend. This is <laughs> the contradiction like, bear. of
0: bear. This is the this is the biggest sort of like it is an, the oxymoron of the bear is that they look like the world's most huggable animal, and in fact they may be one of the world's least huggable animals in terms of the speed with which they could rend your bones from flesh uh and absolutely turn you into a sort of meat and bone salad is yeah. it's very impressive like you know so but on the other hand they do look really huggable
2: They friend yes
0: like if i had to if i had to be executed for some reason for one of my many crimes i feel oh, yeah. like i'd want to do execution by bear hug like let me death hug a bear. bear yeah death by bear where i give it a hug and it, you know, does its thing. And at least I go out on a high note.
2: And you get to help out Fat Bear Week.
0: Right, exactly.
2: Be like, I'm going to feed myself to my favorite bear that I have put money on.
0: I become part of the bear. In reality, this would be really bad because then once the bear gets a taste of delicious human, it would probably go after other people. And then they'd euthanize the bear.
2: Is it, is it historically speaking, we don't taste great. Is that is that right? Like, I I know that like sharks, sharks aren't actually fans of our flavor. It's Um, I think it's our
0: fat to like bone ratio. And also we have clothing. And I think all of that is kind of off. But there are
2: frogs legs. Yeah,
0: there are. Yeah, we're a little we're just not. It's like like with insects, right? Like we are not used to eating insects. Uh, I mean, some cultures certainly they do eat insects. But when you're raised in a culture where you don't eat them, if someone's like, here, have this cricket, and you're like, ah, uh, this kind of feels weird. But it doesn't mean the cricket tastes bad. It's just that you're not used to it. So for a lot of animals, I would think they're just not used to the human taste and or texture. Um, but oh, there it's are, like coffee. Yeah, it's like it's an acquired taste. But certainly there are animals like polar bears who will absolutely look at a human and be like, yeah, I could, I could chow down on that. Um, yeah, I mean,
2: in nature there there's there's options but if there's no options they're like well I'm going to eat that obviously right of <laughs> like, course I yeah die.
0: and bears will potentially eat people i mean typically though right. like even grizzly bears don't generally go after humans but but they can they 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 will if uh especially if they feel threatened or you try to get close to them
2: or they um, do a lot of cocaine
0: yeah i know there's that cocaine bear movie um which is really kind of I feel like a really setting a bad example for bears. And I feel like we need to do like a dare program for bears, like bear dare, Dare, bear dare to teach them that no, cocaine is actually really bad for bears. Don't do it just because you saw a bear on the movies.
2: Maybe you could stop being so lame.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, about
2: that. Maybe you should stop trying to ruin the party.
0: You know, I just, I want my bears thick and fat and full of salmon. So,
2: bear body shaming, are you? Because,
0: um, no, I'm saying that I'm, (laughs) I'm, uh, I'm just saying that the best bears are fat bears.
2: Okay. Well, I'm saying all bears are beautiful. So (laughs) let's like mark that down, uh, put that in the notes for people when they they listen. So,
0: by bears. Um, So, so why do these bears put on so much weight? It's not just to look amazing. Uh, it is, which you can actually see these before after photos of these bears. Uh, if you go to Rubenesque
2: uh, bears, they
0: are Rubenesque bears. Go to explore.org slash meet dash the dash bears. I'll, I'll put that link in the footnotes. Um, but yeah, it's really cool. Cause you can see live streams of parks, um, old videos of bears, like eating fish and stuff. And also the before-after pictures of bears after having bulked up. But yeah, they put on this huge amount of fat so that they can get through the winter. And they go into this state of dormancy during the winter. Uh, This is often called hibernation. But if you're being really picky, bears are not true hibernators. Uh, It's kind of weird because they're like kind of the poster bear for hibernation and yet The what they do in the winter is technically not exactly hibernation. So hibernation is a type of prolonged inactivity characterized by physiological changes where the rate of breathing is slowed, the heart rate is slowed, and body temperature drops. This helps slow the metabolism so the animal can live off of their energy stores and survive uh, the winter, which is generally harsh and nutrient-poor. And so, lots of animals hibernate, from rodents to bats. But technically, bears do not hibernate. They do enter a state of torpor, which just means a state of reduced activity, um, and uh, which includes a lot of sleep, a lot of rest, a lot of like not really doing anything. Celebrities,
2: um, just like us,
0: just li- <laughs> and just like podcasters. Uh, There are some physiological changes that bears go through, including bulking up. Their heart rate, breathing, and metabolic rate do slow down when they are in deep sleep, but uh, their body temperature does not drop, and they can actually wake up relatively easy, uh, which is unlike hibernators. Uh, In fact, female bears generally have to wake up from their torpor in order to give birth during the winter. Uh, which is when they typically give birth. So they'll be, you know, in this state of, of torpor, snoozing, and be like, up, oh, gotta gotta wake up, gotta wake- gotta push gotta out a few cubs. Yeah, but this winter dormancy that bears go through is still really impressive. They can go for months without needing to urinate or defecate. Uh, the poop in their intestines actually remains there, whatever's left before, because yep. they go before they hibernate. So they have like basically the, this fecal plug. They're very like, I guess, hard <laughs> and thick, and it stays in the intestines, It's slow moving, and then it just kind of like dries out. Uh, the intestines absorb a lot of the fluids from the this fecal matter, and then it forms this hard plug. Uh, and so this, their intestines basically slow down, their kidney function grinds to a halt and they don't urinate. Uh, like, you know, that feeling when you're super cozy in bed, you're really warm and it's cold and like you have to pee, but you're like, it can wait. Like, I know I should get up and pee, but it can wait. And you just stay in bed and you're like, oh, I should pee. But then you don't. And then you dream about like trying to find a bathroom, but you can't find one all because you just don't want to leave bed because it's too warm.
2: You know, what's funny is I have this weird, insane fear of peeing the bed. Mm. I don't know why. Like I've never yeah, had it. reason to have that fear, but I do. I have that fear. And so if that feel if I'm cozy in bed and that feeling hits, I'm I'm like, I, I got to do this or else I'm going to pee the bed and everyone will find out. And yeah. I'll have to buy a new mattress. Like I, I very much have that thought in my head at all. times.
0: I like to roll the die someday. It might burn me, but I, I like to roll that die. Yeah, actually. So with the, with the urination for bears, uh, they can still produce urea, but what they do is they recycle it into proteins. Uh, and that means they don't have to pee and they, They're because while they're, you know, in their state of torpor, they are converting the fat that they've built up into usable nutrients to keep them alive, to keep their muscle mass from deteriorating. So they're living off of that. So even though that process does create urea, they recycle that into helping them build muscle. Uh, there's actually a paper studying the bear uh, urothelium which is the lining of the urinary tract Uh, the paper is called the urothelium of a hibernator the american black bear Um, so like just so you know like a lot of people still call what bears do hibernation even like researchers and biologists even though
2: it's it's colloquialism at this point in time like it's it's a widely it's like when literally and figuratively are now interchangeable because the language has accepted it as such. yeah
0: no exactly and it's like it's a subtle distinction right like true hibernators Mm -hmm. their body temperature drops and bears theirs don't they can wake up easier so it's like it's a subtle delineation
2: Um, my question for your new england listeners is mm -hmm. when katie said black bear Did you guys immediately, because of what we've been talking about, did all of you start thinking about Clark's Trading Post in New Hampshire? Because Clark's Trading Post is a very famous New England attraction that is uh, propagated and sort of pushed as this uh, big trained black bear haven. hmm. It is the most New England kind of quote theme park slash experience that you could possibly imagine where it's just trained black bears and weird stuff the whole time, but it's it's an aggressively New England thing.
0: Is that the one where like the bears stand on their hind legs or something for they do a lot of tourists, stuff. They'll
2: they like they climb up poles for fun. They like roll around in barrels. They eat ice cream. They they live they eat what ice cream like a, they do. I'm assuming that the version of ice cream that they have is something that they make for the bears. I'm not going to pretend that I know enough about Clark's Trading Post to guarantee you that these are not abused bears. Um but what I can tell you is I have seen the bears many times.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, a- I I I don't want to make any judgments not knowing exactly what what it is, but in general I'm skeptical. I, I'm always skeptical of like when animals are in entertainment like SeaWorld or this Clark's trading yeah. post but
2: yeah and um, nothing know. can be like oh well we've been doing it for so long i'm like yeah that kind of makes me feel like you guys did it worse yeah uh, yeah it's it's clark's bears is it's, it's did they call it clark's bears now they literally changed the name named clark's trading post until 2019 this is huge
0: i mean it does make sense if your main thing is bears to have bears in yeah. the title cuz like when it's like I clark's mean, trading <laughs> post that sounds super boring if you're like clark's bears that eat ice cream now you've got something
2: if you if you do a quick cursory google image search the second photo will give you the entire gist of what clark's bears i hate saying that clark's training post is all about because there's like a weird mountain man (laughs) that like chases the train tour there's trained bears it is a glorious experience and coming on here talking about bears i would feel like it was my duty to at least say there is an absolute trained bear theme park that yeah. was like an hour from my home.
0: There's like a bear in a small car. Look, I'm not going to lie and say, like, I don't get some kind of, you know, enjoyment out of seeing a bear in a tiny car. Um, but I don't think this is probably the best thing for the bears.
2: Probably not the most ethical probably no.
0: not, not. Probably not the most ethical thing for these bears.
2: Yeah. I get um, it. I you get know. it. I like. <laughs> I understand that they're, my footprints are bloody in the world of, of, uh, of consumption and entertainment. I, I recognize this.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, this is, this is exploitation is woven into the fabric of America. What, what can you say? But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but in, this, uh, in this paper, um, I, know, I know like talking about bears in tiny cars sounds really interesting. But what about a paper on the urothelium, Jeff? Does that not that sound interesting? interesting? Yeah, exactly. Yes. So, <laughs> so they. Uh, my point in bringing up this paper is um, that it actually, so they like were doing studies of the bear urinary tract because of this interesting way in which these bears hibernate and they don't urinate like during hibernation. Um, but like, so they went through this whole thing of like, they used euthanized bears to like look at their urinary tracts And in this section where they were, they they had discussed the properties of these euthanized bears, like the cause, why they were euthanized and, you know, very sad, like some of them like hit by car or abandoned Driven
2: by another bear,
0: by a tiny car driven by another bear. Horrifying bear. I I
2: worked at a trucking company where a truck driver ran over a bear Oh and and just like didn't report it. He just kept going because he didn't realize. And then like immediately all of his lights went on (laughs) and just like. Absolutely destroyed his truck.
0: Yeah, no. Because oh, he ran tough. over a bear. Yeah, you can't. I, I also think you have to report it, right? If you hit a bear.
2: You'd think so. And I think he thought he might not have to. No, and you then, have to. I'm pretty sure. Well, <laughs> especially if you your a tractor law. trailer shuts down. Yeah. And you're like, well, there's no way of getting around this. I hit a bear.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's very unfortunate. But there were some bears uh, that were euthanized Because they were called nuisance bears, uh, which I guess is the technical term for bears who are interacting with humans in a less than ideal way.
2: And we call them cool bears. Cool
0: bears. No, exactly. I mean, rebel bears. Bear rebels without a cause. Um, I just.
2: Without some paws.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, pretty sure they don't have paws anymore. They've probably been have some other researchers studying bear paws. Uh but yeah I mean it is it's one of those things where it's like I get it right like if you have a bear who's going around neighborhoods you know getting into stuff and like interacting with humans or being aggressive like I get why they have to euthanize them but like do we have to add insult to injury by calling them nuisance bears that feels like we're blaming the bears way too much like it's not really the bear's fault that there's like a suburb near them that has trash cans full of ice cream that they can get, and then when they, they gotta do go, what, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, they got to do what deer did and just create a new disease for, to combat <laughs> suburban sprawl. Like, Lyme disease exists because the deer were like, screw these guys. <laughs> Started in Connecticut, by the way, another New England tradition.
0: Oh, yeah. Drained bears
2: and Lyme disease. Yeah. Is there nothing we can't Isn't do?
0: is like there are a ton of Lyme in Martha's Vineyard? Probably. I think there's like, cause like, it's like weird. It's something that like, there's a lot of Lyme disease and like wealthy people because they all get it from Martha's vineyard or, or somewhere nearby.
2: Yeah. It would make sense too, because here's the, here's the tragedy is the more outside you are, the more apt you are to get it because deer ticks are a much harder to spot tick yeah. than your standard wood tick. Um, So yeah. So we would, we would, we were taught, you know, cause I grew up in the eighties and nineties. So we, that was when Lyme disease was like all the rage. Yeah. So so we were we we had to be very, very careful to look out for those. And yeah. my brother ended up getting it.
0: Oh, oh no, I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, it's, it's his fault. Um <laughs> these bears, however, they're not nuisances. They're just cool.
0: Yeah, I know. Like calling them like nuisance bears. It's like, could we call them something else? Like, you know, uh cool yeah, cool bears. The bear we got to
2: take this... out some cool bears. And everybody yeah. would get it.
0: Yeah, like we had to like, euthanize this bear for being too cool, which is a tragedy. But, you know, what I mean, like
2: a least, little leather jacket laying yeah, on, the, on the table.
0: This is like the this is the Bonnie and Clyde of bears. It, it's, yeah. it, you know, uh, so, yeah, I, I get it. I get why they have to euthanize them. But can we give them a nicer label? Um. Anyways, so after winter, bears will emerge from their dens and their metabolism will slowly kick back into gear. Uh, sometimes they will lap up snow fleas to kind of like as an appetizer before they fully get their appetite. So snow fleas are actually tiny black springtail hexapods. Uh, they're these little, little hexapods uh, that can survive and live in snow. Uh, we actually did a a podcast about this, I think, last winter about ice worms um, So they're not really fleas. They're not parasites, um, uh, but they feed on organic matter in leaf litter and in snow. And they're teeny tiny, but there's so many of them that basically these bears are like great protein popsicles and will like lick at like melting snow or the leaf litter and just have kind of like these like protein popsicles uh, that looks like kind of a really organic mint ice cream. But the mint chips are bugs.
2: Honestly, I'm in. Let's give that a try. Let's call Salt and Straw and have them (laughs) the next next flavor.
0: Salt and Straw. So I miss Salt and Straw so much. I think it's a California thing, right? It's Um,
2: a a West Coast thing. I believe it's actually a Portland thing to start.
0: Okay. So it's a West Coast thing. Man, if you live on the West Coast or you visit the West Coast, Salt and Straw is the best ice cream place uh, I've ever been to. Um, Don't you
2: live in like the land of gelato?
0: Yes, but... Honestly, like, look. No offense to to Northern Italy, where there is some amazing gelato. Salt and straw is still really holds its own. Like, it's really good. Also, like in the U.S., they know how to make waffle cones really well. Whereas here, it's much more rare that you get a well. Because they're made of, cone. of
2: pasta. Because
0: yeah. they're made out of dry pasta. So, like they yeah, kind yeah, of ice
2: cream weave a ravioli. basket.
0: Yeah, they yeah. weave like a basket out of pasta. No, I mean, you know, the gelato is great, especially in Florence. But, uh, you know, like, honestly, America, you got some amazing ice cream there. So be proud. Yeah, of
2: we have nailed the tastiest, most absolutely terrible food. Right. <laughs> like, which
0: is why so these bears are eating it at the yeah. trading post. Yeah, just
2: picture a bear sitting there eating like ice cream and a, a grilled cheese. And you're like, this doesn't seem like this is the thing they should be eating. <laughs>
0: Probably is not. Dairy,
2: is dairy a big thing for bears? Because I don't really see don't how that would be an issue. I think
0: so. Um, But, you know, I still feel like if I saw a bear n- nose deep into a tub of ice cream, I'd be like, you know what? Good for her.
2: Yeah. Let it out, girl.
0: Be there in your feelings.
2: You've had a week. Yeah. You've, you've earned this.
0: You've earned this. Well, we are going to take a quick break, but don't go to sleep. When we come back, we're going to talk about a couple true hibernators that are perhaps not what you typically
3: think of when you think hibernation. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health.
1: it's got standard third-row seating and available dual-wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. <laughs> I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room.
0: Hibernate.
2: Are they true hibernators?
0: They are true hibernators. They also estivate. So estivation is hibernation, but during hot or dry seasons. So both terrestrial and aquatic species of snails can hibernate when the temperature gets too low and estivate when the season gets too hot or dry. So uh, during hibernation, terrestrial snails such as garden snails or freshwater snails like apple snails will regulate their bodily processes to survive the cold. Uh, so they are true hibernators because their metabolic rate drops, uh, their respiratory system, their uh, circulatory system, uh, everything like slows down and their body temperature uh, drops their body temperature actually basically has to endure the ambient cold temperature. One of the problems with freezing is that if you freeze, like your cells kind of uh, get ice crystals in them, and that's really bad once they start to thaw. They essentially rip apart because of these like frostbite, ice crystals. Right?
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: Frostbite, like that is necrotic tissue because your, your cells have basically been torn asunder by the ice crystal formation. Um, but the way a lot of animals, including snails, who can survive freezing work, is they actually have in their blood, or in the snail's case, hemolymph, which is basically the bug version of blood, they have antifreeze in their blood. So this Hell is yeah. like glycerol and glucose in their blood that prevents the formation of ice crystals.
2: You have antifreeze in your blood. Sounds like a Grinch lyric that didn't make it into the song. It
0: does, doesn't it? Man, I can hear the voice too. Can you do the voice?
2: Thurl thorough, thorough Ravenscroft. It's Tony the Tiger.
0: Oh, really? he did Tony the Tiger.
2: Yeah, if you listen to the song, it it's literally Tony the Tiger's voice. He oh doesn't. Tr- he doesn't really. Garlic in your soul, Mister <laughs> you know, <Fantastic>. Great. <laughs>
0: Oh my god! Oh my god! My mind has been
2: blown. Yeah. Tony the Tiger, and also two two huge Christmas songs. Sorry, I I always have to bring Christmas into it. No, that's two okay. Two huge Christmas songs are named uh, are sung by people whose last na- whose names are URL. We got Burl Ives and and Thurl Ravenscroft, and those are two names you do not hear ever. Burl and like, Thurl. Paint. Burl and Thurl are responsible for a good, I'd say 10% of your holiday listening.
0: Burl and Thurl sounds like an artisan, like uh sheets company, like a company that makes oh, yeah. sheets, like wool sheets for your bed. And it's arti- yeah, artisan. Yeah, that they're not
2: that comfortable, but they're, they're not, like, yeah. they're sustainable. And then you're like, all right. And then you try to sleep in them. You're like, this was a huge mistake. Right. I'm it's gonna go itchy,
0: it. but it costs $500. So you do use it all the time. Burl and Thurl. Yeah. Um, the sponsor of this this week's podcast. Berlin Shout Thirl- out to
2: Berlin Berlin <laughs> <Thirl> <laughs> Use code creature
0: <laughs> Use code creature to get ten percent off the itchiest blankets you'll ever have, but they're made out of one hundred percent human hair. Yeah. Enjoy ethically your sourced. ethical rash. Ethically sourced rat hair. Um. So, yeah, this is uh, these snails uh, drop their metabolic rate. They have this antifreeze in their blood. They actually, these antifreezing compounds like glycerol and glucose uh, become more concentrated in the winter, uh, according to research by Noah Saka et al. Thanks, guys, for cutting open snails and looking at their hemolymph. That must have been delicious. So uh, they also produce something called an epiphram, which is a temporary mucus membrane that they form to reduce uh, water loss in like hot, dry conditions or prevent water absorption during too wet conditions to maintain a balance of their bodily fluid. Because if they dry completely out, that's bad. Or if they absorb too much water and then they basically don't have the right balance of fluids and salt ions, etc., like, that can also be bad. Just like humans, we can either die of not having enough water and having too much salt or having too much water and not enough salt.
2: Some would say that adding another mucous membrane onto your body is gross. Hmm.
0: And I would that, okay.
2: say you're not a snail.
0: Yeah, you're not a snail. You're not thinking you're snail. snail. You got to think Yeah, you're snail. thinking people. Yeah,
2: I don't know how I, I probably wouldn't do great with an additional mucous membrane on me, but mm. not a snail.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I also, don't hibernate. The other cool thing about this um, mucous membrane, this epiphram is that they can use it to stick onto things. So have you ever like had a snail and it's like inside its shell? You can't see any of the like meat of the snail. And you're trying to pull it off of like a tree or a rock, but it's like stuck
2: no, I. You know what? I didn't have access to snails when I was a kid. We had slugs, but no snails.
0: Oh, I'm so sorry. That's that's a terrible childhood to not have snails. It is.
2: Well, we 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 made up for it with the Lyme disease and the train. <laughs> well,
0: I it's had a lots of copia
2: <laughs> of childhood experience.
0: Somehow, San Diego, we had a lot of snails, and I would, I guess, harass the snails a lot. I was curious. And so I would try to like pick them up, but they'd be like stuck. And so you'd kind of like try to pull them off and like it, there'd be like this suction and like you could, you could kind of rip them off, but I'd kind of feel bad when I would do that because it feels like, oh, I did something, I broke something. Well, what that is is the epiphram. it's this temporary mucous membrane. And they would probably use this because it would be the summer, it would be hot and dry. Um, but they can also do it in the winter, both if the winter is too dry or if there's too much moisture or cold to you know basically protect their their soft vulnerable squishy bodies so another thing is that i have seen on the internet too many things but among them this factoid uh that snails can hibernate for three years and that sounded wrong to me that's not right that doesn't sound right um and I, I love it when I find something like this and find out that it's correct. This is not one of those times. The longest they can hibernate, uh, as far as I can tell, is around four months. Um, and so I do not know where this three years figure comes from. It seems like it is maybe a rumor or something that keeps getting repeated, but I could not find any like real sources for this three years thing, I have seen that there are multiple studies that they do over the course of two to three years. And so I wonder, and someone was like skimming one of these studies and said, like, study period was two to three years. And they're like, oh, that must be how long the snail's hibernating. And it's like, no, that's the duration of the study. Yeah. So. Like,
2: come on, guys. You, you know how this works. You know words. <laughs> this is academia. Come on. Yeah. Work words.
0: I mean, to be fair, a lot of academic papers are very difficult to understand, and dare I say it, sometimes written poorly in a way that's hard to comprehend. Um, But yeah, still, like, uh, this seems to be wrong. If someone out there is like, hey, I actually know where this comes from, or that you think it is real and you have a source, uh, you could send that to me. I would love to be wrong about this, because hibernating for three years As a snail, sounds super chill. That's like ultimate cozy. I just don't think It also
2: seems a little wasteful. Mm. Like, how long are you living, man? I don't know. Three and a half years. Okay, well, (laughs) we might want to readjust what we're doing with our time here. Our time management needs to be fixed.
0: Maybe the snail shell is like a Pokeball, and there's like a whole universe in there, though, you know what I mean? Like, to the snail, this could...
2: What an effective Pokemon that would be.
0: Right. Snail? Take it
2: out and it immediately gets pikachu to death. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it didn't react quick enough. Yeah. It's a snail.
0: Well, you know, snails have their strengths. Combat is yeah. not generally one of them, but, you know.
2: Um, I mean, to be fair, there might be a snail Pokemon that I have no idea exists. There
0: has to be. There, ha- I'm Googling snail Pokemon because ha- 100% there has to be snail Pokemon. It's
2: like, weirdly, Meowth. Uh, a snail. There's mag,
0: I... mag cargo, which is a magnum um, snail. It looks like it's made out of lava and obsidian. I uh, mean,
2: that sounds like a pretty badass snail. If I'm yeah,
0: there you go. So an
2: obsidian and lava snail.
0: There's some. I'm gonna
2: pick that one up off a tree.
0: There's some aquatic-looking snails like omanite. Oma Knight. Um,
2: yeah. Have you ever done a creature feature that was just like sort of about the sort of apocrypha of Pokemon? Yeah. And just play it like a real episode?
0: Well, no. So I actually had Ellen Weatherford. She hosts a, a podcast called Just the Zoo of Us. And we talked about Pokemon and then like the real life animals that are e- seem to either have inspired these Pokemon or by coincidence, these Pokemon are very much like. Uh, real life animals. So um or
2: that or that one magician that sued Pokemon.
0: Someone uh, sued Pokemon?
2: Yeah, Yuri Geller. Yuri Geller had like an injunction on one of the characters because it was clearly a dig on him. It was like this really corrupt it was this corrupt magician that would like hold a spoon and he was famous for like us as a spoon bender that ended up becoming sort of revealed as a fraud. Huh. And so, but yeah, the... it was this whole thing. He, like, just, he just rescinded the lawsuit, like, r- very recently.
0: But I thought that, that was, like, like, a, I thought that the fake spoon bending was, like, a classic thing, right? Like,
2: uh... I think it's because of Yuri Geller. Really? Yeah, I Did think it was, like, a whole with thing spoons? with Carson. Yeah, l- well, I mean, I think it was, like, famously, like, that's where, like, he's the fame, famously debunked, magician and it was like this big scandal and uh so he like just recently rescinded his lawsuit or complaint and like apologized to like the children of the world mm-hmm. for like has he apologized
0: this- to spoons because like what the hell of those spoons done They he's just like i'm gonna bend this perfectly good spoon
2: I mean, I don't know. Do spoons not have feelings? Am I a utensilist if I say that?
0: I just think it's sad to be a spoon and then not get used for ice cream. Instead, get bent by a jerk.
2: Or get kidnapped by a dish.
0: Right. Man, the dish ran away with that spoon, but did it ask the spoon for its uh, what it wanted to do? I don't think so. So, yeah. Snails, they can hibernate. And uh, with that antifreeze in their hemolymph, um, and but they do not. I, I have not seen anything to indicate they can hibernate for three years. They can hibernate for around four months, uh, which I still think is pretty impressive. Uh, now it's we're the gonna third of the year. Yeah, no, that's good, man. Like, why are we making stuff up? That's pretty impressive. Um, one of my favorite hibernators is actually a completely different animal. This one's a cutie. It's the fat-tailed dwarf lemur. So, uh, Oh yeah. I shared a a cute little photo with you. These are cute little babies that I want to cuddle. Um, yeah. Yeah. So fat tailed dwarf lemurs, you may have guessed it. They have fat tails. We're going to talk about why. So, uh, they are primates found in Madagascar. Um, they're pretty small. They're only about seven ounces in the summer and nine ounces, uh, when they fatten those tails up in the winter, and you know, Jeff, can you guess why they fatten their tails up in the winter?
2: I don't feel like I need to guess on this one. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's pretty much been established that mm-hmm. this is where they store their fat and nutrients. For yes, like there for their torpor or their their hibernation or whatever thing exactly, they do.
0: Exactly, exactly. So these can be considered true hibernators because they kind of meet all the requirements. They Their metabolism slows down, their heart rate, breathing all slows down, and their temperature drops. Um, And that fat tail allows them to hibernate without uh, needing to feed. Um, So just as bears develop that big belly for winter, these uh, dwarf lemurs develop this like fat tail. They put all their fat in this tail. I mean, we see this in other animals, right, where they kind of store fat in these localized regions like... A camel's hump, not filled with water, actually filled with fat to allow them to survive long periods of time without eating. Um, but this means that fat-tailed dwarf lemurs are actually the only primates known to hibernate. Um, yeah, which is really interesting. That's so
2: exciting for them!
0: Yeah, go for them! Look at these little guys. It's,
2: what what what? Madagascar movie do they address that in?
0: Oh gosh, you know what? Like they have so many fun like. Re- like actual animals in those movies like fossas and a bunch of different lemurs who I think I think basically all of the lemur characters are actual lemurs like yeah. I don't think they made any lemurs up and there's a lot of them like Madagascar is lemur land essentially um, so th- there could definitely yeah, they, they be they eat
2: ice cream and they play around in barrels <laughs> over
0: there <laughs> Pretty much the closest thing lemurs get to a resort. Um, but yeah, like it's it's like a lot of these, these lemurs are endemic to Madagascar, meaning they're not found anywhere else. So there is this research center called Duke Lemur Center, and they've done a lot of research on lemurs in general, including these fat-tailed dwarf lemurs.
2: When you say Duke, you just mean like Duke University. Yeah, North
0: but it's Duke Lemur Center. It's got to be fun. Yeah, and you know what? Like, I feel like I would, I would love to be a card-carrying member of the Duke Lemur Center. Um, so they've done all this research on these, uh, dwarf, uh, fat-tailed dwarf lemurs. Um, it's actually really cute because they have, uh, they have like, uh, lemurs that they studied that are in captivity, but they, you know, they make sure their environment is really, really good. And uh, they like to hibernate and sleep in like little nooks and crannies inside trees. And so they've, you know, done all these things where they try to, like, recreate these spaces for them. And apparently, like, they've had basically these cute little, like, fabric nests and, like, all these, like, very cozy looking things. But their favorite thing is PVC pipes. Like, the lemurs love going to sleep in PVC pipes. Same. Yeah, man. Like, you want to just curl up into a little ball and be in a PVC pipe. Who doesn't?
2: I really do. You I know? really do want them that.
0: That's what I that's how I, like whenever I'm like working with my plumbing I'm like man I wish I could shrink down and curl up and go to sleep in this U trap
2: Yeah I hope they don't fall asleep in a potato gun though cuz that could be a problem
0: Could be a problem could be really cool but um you know it's just a matter of perspective Uh so yeah the the their research has found that uh these uh fat-tailed dwarf lemurs can rouse from hibernation every 6 to 12 days uh, and hibernate for up to seven months. So just because you're hibernating doesn't mean you can't occasionally like wake up during the winter. Like some hibernators, especially like smaller hibernators will wake up occasionally, um, to move around, maybe even eat something like if they have something stored and then go back. Make sure they're not being prey. Yeah, exactly. they
2: good? really good? All right. <laughs>
0: But it is harder for hibernators to wake up in response to, say, a threat versus just torpor. So if you're just in torpor, you can wake up more quickly if there's something threatening. If you're in hibernation, it's actually a good deal more difficult for your body to rouse from that, even if there's a threat. Um, So finding a good hidden PVC pipe is very important because these guys live in Madagascar, they're not protecting themselves from the cold and the snow because it doesn't get that cold in Madagascar. Uh, It's instead believed that they're protecting themselves from drought uh, where like in the winter because it's really hard to get enough nutrients. So like they feed on insects, fruits and flowers. And so these things are going to be harder to find during a drought. And so they're just like, I'm going to eat a bunch of stuff Put it all in my tail fat. And then when there's not as much food around, just go to sleep.
2: Go to sleep with my big fat tail.
0: Yeah. Just wrap that. Man, you could also use it as a pillow. It's just it's such a good idea. Like this is.
2: Yeah. It's a lot of opportunities with that.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely.
2: I I store the food I eat in my a lot, too. So that makes
0: it does. It is, you know, like Thanksgiving, butt is a more comfortable. butt. I got to say
2: yeah you know we're we're in prime butt territory <laughs> right now these 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 months that we've been in, you know
0: it's just, just like, really
2: just we're getting ready to hibernate
0: as humans though, we don't really get to we don't like store all our fat like in one perfect pillowy location. It goes wherever it goes, usually based on a combination of genetics and your activity or whatever. But it would be really nice if it's like, yeah, I just want my fat to go in like my butt, or my tail, so I can use it as a pillow. Um, So, yeah, I feel like these dwarf lemurs really have it figured out.
2: Blessed. They're (laughs) blessed.
0: (laughs) So, um, yeah, also, according to this uh, Duke Lemur Center's research, uh, these little guys' tails account for around 40% of their body weight, uh, and uh, during hibernation, their breathing can drop to a rate of about uh, one breath per 10 minutes and their heart rate drops to about one beat every 10 seconds.
2: I mean, that's it's pretty great. That's like college. I mean, college athlete level. <laughs> right there. I mean,
0: I know that some people can hold their breath for a really long time. Like there are divers who oh, yeah. like work on it and practice it. I think there are some divers who can get near that level right like of holding your breath for that long um
2: yeah i know that they like like three minutes tends to be like the a, a big threshold for people like your average person and then right. it ranks up i remember i was running for a while and i got my heart rate tested when i was running and it was like really good mm-hmm. it was like 42 beats a minute wow. or something like that nice. which was like really impressive my breath holding is so bad <laughs> Like I can't, I don't, I don't know how to do it. I yeah. tried to like train it. I'm like, I don't think I can.
0: Yeah, I, I just, I did a quick uh, Google search, and apparently, like, there are some professional divers who have held their breath for over twenty minutes, which is just ridiculous. You can't do, you can't. I want to caution everyone. you cannot do that. You can't just no, like you can't do that. You cannot decide I'm going to go try to do that. There have been people who have drowned trying to hold their breath in the pool, like people who are practicing, like, say they want to be a good surfer or a good diver or something, and they practice holding their breath. If you want to do that, you need a buddy. You need to be there yeah. with someone because if you do that alone, you can lose consciousness and drown, which and it has happened really sadly. But yeah, to work your way up to that long, it takes, I would imagine, years and years of practice. And, you know, it's not it's like any kind of like you can't just like lift an enormous weight because you decide to try really hard one day. Um, But, you know, it is true that with like you can responsibly train to hold your breath for longer with a coach or someone to spot you. Um, or just
2: on a fainting couch.
0: <laughs> on a fainting couch. That's what they were invented for.
2: Um, they were. Yeah, to, learn, to hold your breath in the Victorian age.
0: Um. Anyways, we're going to take
3: a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about Penguin Microsleeps. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health.
2: com.
0: All right, we are back and Jeff, uh penguins are cute, right?
2: I think that uh well sort of. There's that one with the red eyes and the yellow hair. Oh, like
0: a rockhopper uh, penguin?
2: Yeah, yeah. I I'm going to say no. That that's an ugly ass penguin. Well, chinstrap
0: um, penguins are some of the cutest penguins. They Absolutely. They are these little guys who live on islands near the Antarctic or Southern Pacific Ocean waters. They have this characteristic uh, strap of black feathers uh, that go under their chin. And then they also have like a black cap on their heads. So it looks like they're wearing like a little black helmet with like a chin strap.
2: It looks like they have little cartoon faces.
0: They're adorable. Um, And I must have one. I must, I must illegally acquire this penguin. So uh, they, they are adorable, uh, and they are, but they're, they're not the biggest penguins, uh, and they have a lot of stuff to worry about. So how do they get a good night's sleep? Well, uh, there was some research by Liborel et al. Um, sorry, let me do that again because I got too French with that. Liborel et al. Uh, who strapped sensors uh, onto the chin straps. So they already got their chin straps. Now they got sensor straps. These are strap strapped, so strapped penguins. <laughs> yeah. uh, and they measured their brain activity and motion. Uh, they used like this remote uh, electroencephalogram. Uh, and they found that the penguins engaged in micro-sleeps, which were four-second-long bouts of dozing. So, like four-second naps uh, around ten thousand times a day.
2: Well, okay. I'm like in my head. I'm like, is there? Is there? A, I'm like doing the math. Like, are there forty thousand seconds? Yeah, that's forty. That
0: no, no. Yeah, there are forty thousand seconds in a day because this is about eleven hours of tiny naps. Damn. Yeah. Uh, so
2: there's ninety thousand seconds in a day, roughly.
0: Uh, yeah. Map. I don't, know. Yes, I don't map. know. That
2: map is probably map, wrong. Map,
0: no, that sounds right-ish. Almost sure. Almost. Uh, so yeah, forty thousand seconds of tiny naps, which is about eleven hours uh, total of tiny naps. And so this is really interesting, right? Because you'd think like, well, but sleep in order to be good sleep, you need like long sleep. You need to like really kind of get into it. You can't just have like little tiny sleeps. Oh, well, they're like little
2: Einsteins, right?
0: Little Einsteins.
2: Wasn't that his thing? Oh, Einstein? he likes he the little like sleep, oh, yeah. little weird naps. Little yeah, cat naps. little
0: naps, little cat naps. That's true. You gotta that call is
2: cat true. naps penguin naps.
0: We should call them penguin naps. I guess you gotta like, sit down
2: for a little chin, chaps, chin strap penguin nap. Yeah, quick.
0: that's like a really fast one. That's like head down on the table and then you lift it back up so fast you get whiplash. So yeah, that means
2: that you fell asleep and then hit your you head. hit the table and then you're like, oh.
0: that's a chin strap nap. So, uh, the yeah, they found that these penguins were still able to successfully nest, forage, uh, all the normal penguin behaviors. Uh, so the question is, well, why are they doing these micro sleeps rather than like just a full night of sleep or even like an hour nap at a time? Um, the idea is that this might be too risky for the little penguins because. The way that they they uh, protect their offspring is they have like, you have a, a couple of parents that they're both looking after the egg and the chick. And so one has to like incubate the egg or keep the chick warm and protect it while the other one goes out and forage. And then they have to switch off. And so there's not a lot of time for napping in that situation, especially when you have uh rampaging birds like skuas who go around trying to steal eggs or chicks right from underneath these penguins and so the penguins must be vigilant uh at almost all times and even the adults have their fair share of predators like leopard seals uh so they've got to protect their egg they got to protect their chick and they have to go out and forage for like two you know for their partner and for their chick so it's a lot of stuff going on. So, like the best way it seems for them to get their rest are these four-second naps,
2: little micro naps, little micro. That naps. sounds delightful.
0: It does. I feel like human, like new human parents, would be really envious of these micro sleeps.
2: This is how I sleep on planes, by the way.
0: Oh yeah. Oh, it's so yeah. weird, man. Plane sleep, where you you fall asleep and then you wake up and you're like, that must have been an hour, and you look at the clock and it's like. That was five minutes. It was
2: three minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I always think I can um, like whenever I would go home, I used to take the red eye and I would be like, you know, I'm going to sleep on the plane this time. It yeah. turns out I'm too big to sleep oh, on the plane. Yeah. Like there's yeah. no comfort when you're when you're of a certain height, like you can't comfortably sleep. There's no like you're, it, it messes every part of your body up. And I'm, I was so stupid. I forget every time. So all of my sleeps would be like me falling asleep and then wake up and be like, that was eight seconds. Yeah, it was an eight second. Michael no,
0: I, I very much sympathize. I, I am a small and compact person, so I can sleep on planes. But my husband is not. And he has a lot of trouble Um, just even kind of like sitting. Planes are really like made for us sort of average smaller folk, which yeah. I think is unfair.
2: It's like um, turn of the century Eastern European factory right. workers. Right. Like that's exactly like that's when I was like house shopping back in Massachusetts. Like that's who the houses were made for half the time. So yeah. I like wouldn't fit in the room because I'd be like, this is for where the tallest person was five nine. And I'd be like, that's fair. I can't walk through this house. I'm, I'm not going to pay money for it. And right. Same thing with planes. Like it's tough. These penguins, however, they would do great. They on would these do planes so and honestly on planes. imagine getting on a plane and it was just a sea of those penguins in each seat that and would then smell
0: horrible right but i'd love it like probably
2: I'd, it would probably be very cold in there
0: it would smell like rotting fish probably like, like fish, yeah. fish farts essentially like
2: a spirit airline
0: <laughs> just like, like spirit airline so it wouldn't be that different actually um So, yeah, that is an amazing superpower that these chin strap penguins have. I'm incredibly jealous and I'm actually a very good napper, but my naps tend to be longer, like about an hour at least at a time. Like, I wish I could do really short naps. Um, Can't nap at all. I'm sorry. I love napping so much.
2: If the sun is out, I'm awake. Like, for, for example, like I woke up at 530 this morning, not by choice, but I... Because I'm like an early morning person. Yeah. And once this, if the sun peeks through my window, my brain is immediately like, you're up. That's And I've like, tried.
0: I'm a little jealous of that. I, I have struggled a lot with like maintaining a good sleep schedule.
2: I don't have a good sleep schedule. Oh, no. I went to bed at 1230 last night. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, like, you know, I found it out. Uh, I found that out. I, I had done I during college. I got two good paying jobs that were on opposite ends of the day. I was so at night I was a, a dock worker. So I was a forklift operator, basically, from like 6 p.m. till 10 p.m. And then I was a mail sorter the next morning. every And I would have to arrive at 4 a.m. to the oh post God. office. And I was like, well, I'll just sleep four hours at night and then four hours during the day. And that's when I found out like, oh, I've never actually slept during the day. Yeah. And I would try and that I didn't. Rough. And I legitimately like went i started hallucinating oh god i would see like motion like like mailboxes would look like they were running out into the street while i was driving (laughs) it was crazy
0: well some of them do do that like you know
2: yeah like like cartoon ones yeah yeah with legs sometimes but yeah so that was um that was how i found that out so i'm jealous anytime you mention somebody being able to nap
1: Mm -hmm.
2: i'm i'm Super, super jealous, because I'm like, I wish I could do that.
0: we gotta like inject you with some like uh chinstrap Pen- DNA
2: penguin DNA, yeah, yeah, I'll be a chimera of, of, yeah. of, of half man half penguin, yeah, I think that would just be the penguin,
0: right, you'd just be the penguin, but instead of like kidnapping uh people, you would just be napping in your oh, yeah. in your no. house
2: wave the kids out of it,. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, before we go, we got to play a little game called Guess Who's Squawk in the Mystery Animal Sound Game. Every week I play a mystery sound that you, the listener, and you, the guests try to guess who is making that sound. Last week's Mystery Animal Sound hint was this. Don't add this fuzzy fellow to your fruit salad. All right. So you said you think you know the answer. Can you I think guess? I do. Yeah. Is this
2: a Southern Hemisphere animal?
0: Uh, yes.
2: Is it a bird? Yes. Is it a kiwi?
0: It is indeed. Good job. Yay! Awesome. Congratulations to the fastest three gissers, Michael D., Jared M., and Grant W.
2: Good. Fun story. I eat kiwi fruit with the skin on.
0: Oh, what?
2: Yeah, I wash the skin and then I eat it. It's very tart. And so it actually mixes really well with the sweetness of the kiwi. But it's fuzzy, so, man. That doesn't matter. Like, uh, so what? I, no, God. like, honestly, though, I, I know people probably think I'm a psychopath. I eat kiwis like a little apple. Oh, my God. And um, I, I got to tell you, the tartness of the skin mixed with the sweetness of the kiwi is so gosh darn delicious. Like and that? nobody's got like everybody listening to this is grossed out by it. Yeah. But I'm telling you, it's amazing.
0: I mean, look, you'll get no argument from me that tartness is good. It's the hairiness, man. It's you like get over
2: that real quick.
0: Uh, I can't even deal with hair on a peach, let alone a kiwi. Makes, okay. Well,
2: if you can't handle a peach, then yeah, this is not for you.
0: Makes my teeth feel bad. Like That's have like, you ever like th- scraped a peach with your front teeth? It makes me want to rip well, like, my teeth out of my skull. It's, I like it. I hate that. Ugh. Anyways, um, <laughs> this is a Kiwi. I mean,
2: you're like, anyways, it's like mochi. Mochi is basically ice cream covered uh, in people skin. It's
0: jarring to me, but I like it. I can't do the texture of mochi either. So there's something yeah, about it's,
2: that is skin. That is people skin. It's like people. They skin. have approximated people skin in the exact perfect mm. way.
0: They are. They look good, but they feel bad in the mouth for me. Um, So yeah, kiwi birds, uh, which I would not put in my mouth because of the fuzziness. Uh, This is fantastic audio of a kiwi call, uh, which is very hard to get on camera. This is captured by the Russell Nature Walks. Uh, It took them like three years to get this uh, on video. I'll have the link in the show notes. Uh, This is a male kiwi calling for his mate uh, kiwis are from New Zealand. They are flightless birds with fuzzy, downy feathers and long beaks. They are actually rela- related to ostriches, emus, and reyes, uh, And they are the smallest of these group of birds, which are called ratites. Uh, they weigh only around 5 to 6 pounds, which is roughly 2 to 3 kilograms. Uh, and they have the largest egg-to-body size ratio. Their eggs weigh... Over half a pound, which is around 15% of the Kiwi's total body weight. So, you know, I hope that beautiful song that the male is singing was worth it, Lady Kiwis, for that whole process. Well, well, that was
2: like me with my mom. Oh, God. My mom's so tiny, and I came out 10 pounds, nine and a half ounces.
0: Oh, your mom's like the human Kiwi.
2: Yeah, my mom like like non pregnant. My mom weighed under a hundred pounds. Oh man! And I came out ten nine and a half. That that's a crime.
0: You're just like the alien chest burster.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did actually get you could kind of. I got my foot caught in her rib. Apparently, ah, no. And so you could see like the like no. a little indentation of a foot at one point in time. So like, yeah, I guess that's probably ah. pretty accurate. No, it's bad. It's oh. bad. My mom, my mother is a saint for giving birth to me because you
0: just like, do you just rain presents upon her on Mother's Day? Just complete like,
2: but she's a florist. Mother's Day is a bad day for her.
0: Oh, no. Oh, mother's no. Day is work,
2: but her gift is that she gets to make the sacrifice. My mom loves, loves being like a martyr. So mm. like the fact that she gets to sacrifice her Mother's Day for all of the other mothers well, it's the best kiss she, uh, gift she could have ever gotten.
0: Man, well, I guess uh, I guess you kind of have to be a martyr to cut <laughs> to uh, be be a human kiwi bird. I mean that very respectfully.
2: And respectfully so. That's that is very true. She's great. She makes that exact same call. And um, she taught me how to eat the kiwi uh, with the skin.
0: Uh, it's it's a beautiful call. On to this week's mystery animal sound. The hint is this. These are the best friends to have in a gorilla-style snowball fight. (laughs) All right. Any guesses?
2: When you said gorilla-style, you said G-U-E-R-I? Or is that like a homonym thing that we're doing right there? No,
0: gorilla-style, like warfare. Not talking about gorillas, the animal.
2: Okay. Because I was going to say, from the hint only, I would have said a Japanese macaque. Uh, or macaque i forget what that monkeys are
0: yeah um but no it's not not gorilla like like okay it is not a gorilla Um, i'll give you that could you
2: play the sound one more time
0: yes yes i can
2: i don't know the best guess i had was japanese macaque
0: that is a very good guess well we will find out next time on creature feature who is making this sound uh, if you think you know out there, you can write to me at creaturefeaturepod at gmail.com. You can also write to me your questions, your pictures of animals, your pets, whatever. Uh, Jeff, where can the people find you?
2: Well, um, you can find me across all social media, including my YouTube at Hey There Jeffro. I do a lot of really neat stuff. I mean, obviously, we brought up Jeff has cool friends. I do the great show. Tom and Jeff watch Batman with Tom Ryman uh, uh, yeah. on Game for the Unemployed. Um, I do a lot of shows with Adam Todd Brown on the You Don't Even Like podcasts network, such as You Don't Even Like Sports, which is a sports podcast for people that hate sports. Lots of fun.
0: That irony.
2: <laughs> it's a lot. It's most of our fans. That's why we did <laughs> why we did that show. Um, Jeff has cool friends. If you listen to that, you can also hear the amazing nerd with Dre Alvarez, which is also under the Jeff has cool friends umbrella and at patreon.com slash Jeff may, you can act early access to uncensored episodes with bonus content, including the exclusive Ug fine with Kim crawl. Um, so that's, that's podcast. If you want to see me live and you live in Southern California, I do a um, mint on card, which is my stand up live up show in a toy store and blast from the past on Magnolia in Burbank, California. I also open packs of trading cards, uh, it's nice. so fun, Katie. I open <laughs> packs of trading cards on camera every Wednesday at 2 o'clock Pacific on my YouTube at Hey There Jeff Row on a show I call I Must Break You.
0: Look, man, I love to watch videos of people just like cutting soap up into little pieces. So oh, that yeah. sounds great.
2: Oh, the the sounds. Yeah. The so sounds, there there is an yeah. ASMR um, aspect when you open up a pack of trading cards as well, but like <laughs> Man, just it's so fun opening those cards and that I give them away fun. to people up my Patreon. but it's just so fun. Yeah. Like it's just this glory of like you're it's like the first childhood form of gambling yeah. you got as a kid because you're it's, like it is actually it's money. like
0: literally gambling though that's the thing is it's like it oh, yeah. is actually gambling.
2: but uh it you is. know,
0: but for Pokemon or whatever other trading cards, um, yeah. That sounds fantastic. Do check those out. Uh Jeff is a fantastic podcaster. And if you enjoy any of those shows, thank Jeff's mother for giving birth to a frighteningly so large baby.
2: <laughs> My poor mother. <laughs> Katie, it was a blast having you on. You're an absolute delight. And uh even though we are across the world, I'm glad we are so yeah. close right now.
0: Yeah. Uh and thank you so much for coming on. And thank you guys out there for listening if you're enjoying the show and you leave a rating and review that is that really helps the podcast and I read every single review hope you're all having a great winter time and thank you so much to the space Cossacks for their super awesome song exo lumina Uh, I hope you're all cozy out there ready for your winter hibernation happy creature kringle times everyone and uh, go hug a bear Go hug a bear. Don't do that. Uh, Creature Features, a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like the one you just heard, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or hey, guess what? Or if you listen to your favorite show, I don't judge you. Just sip on your hot cocoa. Watch the snow or the rain or basically nothing. Fall down outside and get all cuddly and cozy. And I'll see you next Wednesday.